We're starting a new series called Closer. And the whole reason why we want to do that is, is exactly that. We want you to get close to the Lord. And whether you're brand spanking new to Anchor Church, maybe you're brand spanking new to the Lord, maybe you've been a Christian for 50 years, don't you, don't, uh, don't, don't you know that we all have uh, times when we're far from the Lord and we're close to the Lord. And our walk with the Lord all of our life is kind of going to be like that. And hopefully you can kind of even it, even it out a little bit and always stay close to the Lord. And so for me as a pastor, I've been a Christian a long time. I have to make sure that I stay close, that it's not like, yep, I'm a pastor. I finally made it. I don't even have to try anymore. No. Don't we all have to try? Amen. We have to keep that close relationship with the, you don't when you get married, you don't just stop there like, okay, cool, we're married. Awesome. I'll see you later. You know, we it's it, it takes come on, married people, it takes work. It takes discipline. It takes make sure that you guys love each other. And so we're this whole series is about how do we get close to the Lord? And we're gonna look at the uh, one way we believe is a really important way to get close to the Lord is through the act of worship. It's through this act of worshiping him, giving him worth. That's the definition of the word worship is to give something worth. And how many guys have gone to the last two Heaven Come worship nights that we did here? Come on, let's see. Show of hands. Come on, who went? Man, it was incredible. And I want to encourage you guys. We have one more this Wednesday. And if you didn't go, you got to go. It's, it's been awesome. We took a, a bunch of the rows out. We had baptismal pools out here. We had communion in the back. Trevor in the band. We have a don't we have an incredible worship team? Seriously, they just know how to worship the Lord, and they, they brought it. And I'm someone, I, I like to worship, you know. I get it, you know why? Because at church, especially at the 9 o'clock and Friday night when it's really crowded, I, I get it. The guys who sit in the middle, I give you props because it's hard to worship sometimes, right? You want, you're like, man, I want to just worship the Lord. Boom, and you hit some guy in the face, right? And you're just like, good, good. And so I've done that before, and it's one of these, like, you cross worship. You know, it's like, ah, and I end up, you end up worshiping like this. It's like, okay. It's a, it's a little confining. But we opened up the rows here, and I was up front. I'm small, but I worship big, guys. And I'm just like, boom. I'm like, I can, <laughs> I can stretch out, and I'm doing this. And I want to encourage you guys. If you come to he uh, Heaven Come this Wednesday night, uh, a bunch of the, the youth are up here. And of course, it's like because they want to get up close. And they're the youth, you know, the junior hires and the high schoolers. But I was up there, and I'm pushing 50. And so if you're 30 plus, 50 plus, 70 plus, can I encourage you to come worship with me up front? Come on. Some of you guys, come on. You guys ready? Right? You can worship in the back if you want to, but the front's cool, you know? And here's the reason why, because I went to... Hillsong in Australia uh, for a conference a couple years back, and I went to one of the services, and I, this was burned in my memory. I, I remember went to the service, and everyone was kind of pressed up to the stage worshiping God. Their worship is awesome. It's Hillsong, obviously. And what was burned in my brain was I saw little kids, elementary kids, just worshiping the Lord with all their heart. I saw 20-year-olds worshiping with all their heart. I saw white-haired guys worshiping with all their heart. And you know what the cool thing about it was the, 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 all the generations were worshiping one God. And it was a beautiful picture. So I encourage you guys, all you old folk, come on, get up front. So join me. I'm up there too. So uh, it's going to be fun. But um, at the last Heaven Come, it was really cool. They played that song that we just played, that Trevor them just played just now, Heart of Worship. Anybody remember that song? Heart of Worship. That's an old one. It's, it's, anybody get 90s flashback? You know, with all the hand motion, you know, whatever that's got real popular back then. 
And that song is really cool, because if you actually do the research of that story, Matt Redman, uh, who's a famous worship songwriter now, that was, one of, that was the song that made him famous. And what happened in his church was his, his pastor was sensing that there was something wrong with the worship. And so he, you know what he did? He did something really drastic. He said, you know what? No drums, no instruments, no nothing. We're just going to come and do a cappella, just with our voices, worship the Lord. And, and they did it for a time. And something happened in the, ter- in, in the church where their worship was kind of revitalized. And Matt Redman went into his bedroom. And because of what was going on, he wrote this song called Heart of Worship, which we still worship today. And it, had some, it has some very powerful words. And it says, this is the first line of, of the song, Heart of Worship. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, Jesus. I think that first line is a fantastic definition of what worship is. He's saying this, when the music fades, which means this, worship is not about music. You don't have to have music, amen? I like the music. I like the drums. It's a great vehicle to worship uh, and say these words to God, but worship can happen without music. And so he says, when the music fades, and then he says this, and I simply come. You know what worshiping is? It's simply coming to Jesus. And then he says this, to bring something of worth. The word worship means to give worth to something. You know why? Because our God is worthy. Amen? So he's bringing something of worth, and I love this, to bless your heart, God. I'm, I'm simply coming to you, bringing something of worth that will bless your heart. To me, that's a picture of what worship really is. No matter if you're at church, no matter if you're uh, in your living room, or in your car, you can give God worship and worship. And I, I believe this, that a true heart of worship will get you closer to God. If, if this whole series is called Closer and Getting Closer to God, a, a right heart, what Matt Redman is, is singing about here, will get you close to the Lord. I really, really believe that. And, and, but here's the thing. We are all created to worship. That's God created us that way. He, he put it in our DNA to worship him. The problem is this, is that we have the free choice to worship God or something else, that we, we get caught up in loving something else more than God, and you can call it an idol, but we miss the heart of worship. And so today, we're going to come back to the heart of worship, but we're going to look at how do we miss the heart of worship, and then how do we get back? And so, and, and I, 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 lo- I like this this sermon, because I struggle with this as a pastor. And I, wanna, I want you guys to feel OK with that, that our lives are sometimes we're going to miss it sometimes. And, and you know what's r- really good is when you kind of catch it and you go back. Amen? And you kind of get back on track. And so how do we miss the heart of worship? Well, I already said the first one, if you're taking notes, is that we worship something else. We worship something else other than God. And we adore God. We love God, right? Two people love God. <laughs> I'm assuming you're in church because you love God, OK? And so we adore God, but it, the, the simple truth is we adore other stuff as well. Sports teams? Anybody? A bunch of liars in this <laughs> congregation, right? You know, ask yourself this. Don't raise your hand. Ask yourself this. When's the last time you did this, in church or when your team scored? 
in your living room, right? When's the last time you went, like, you just, yeah! It was for the football game. You know, it was, um, we can love our careers. We can love our, our family above God. We can love all of this stuff. And here's the thing. God is not against you adoring other things. I want to make that very, very clear. He's not saying, don't love anything, just love me. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, that's okay if you love and adore all these other things. Guess what? I gave it to you. It's a problem when it's above me or even equal to me. That's, that's when it becomes a problem with, you know what? I, I am the one that should be adored. And that sounds a little like, whoa, why? And, but I love this. I love this verse in Deuteronomy 6. And you have to read it in this way. And I want you to read it. When I read this, it really shows the love of God, how much he loves me. That's what, what happens when I read this verse. In Deuteronomy 6, 14, it says, you must not worship any other gods of neighboring nations, for the Lord your God who le- lives among you is a jealous God. He's jealous for you. He loves you. He wants your worship because he created you. You're his masterpiece. You're his children. He loves, he wants, man, he just wants that from him. He's a jealous God. Uh, The second thing that gets in our way of worship, how we miss the heart of worship, is your pride. Your pride. Our pride, my pride. And, you know, I'm looking around the room, and I know a lot of you guys. You guys are pretty humble people. You know, maybe not all of you, but, you know, there's some prideful people. (laughs) You know, and we all have pride, but, you know, I I consider myself, okay, I, I like to humble myself, but I do struggle with this one thing, and I think we all struggle with this, is the way people look at us, or we think of what people think about us too much. And I think that, in a prideful way, gets in the way of our worship. And in John 12, verse 42, it says, many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for the fear uh, that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. And I think that's one thing we got to look in ourselves and go, hey, am I afraid of man more than am I afraid of God? Do I want man's praise above God's praise? We just got to ask ourselves that and go, okay, I, I want to switch that. And, and I get it. I, I seriously get it because... Maybe the first time that you came into Anchor Church, or maybe the first time that you went into a church that's real. We love to express our worship here, don't we? Right? Right? Don't we to raise our hands, get excited, dance a little bit? I, I see you guys. We'll dance on. You're just like, yeah. You know, I get it. We, we're, like, we're very expressive in our worship. And so the first time that you probably walked into a church like this, you're just like, oh, this is weird. Oh, freaky. You know, it's like, People raising their hands, closing their eyes. There's a weird little Filipino guy in the front just <laughs> doing all this stuff. Like, what's going on? But what happens is, and I get it, you come, you, start, you come back for some reason. You keep on walking back. You keep coming every Sunday, and something happens in your heart, and you're going, God's doing something. He's doing something in your heart, making you like, hey, this Jesus guy is real. This God is real. And so you kind of get it. You're like, man, they're just kind of giving praise to God. And so you're like, you think about it, I'm, I'm going I'm to try it a little bit. But you're a little shame. You're thinking of what other people are going to think about you. So you do this. You do a little. I'm going to raise it, raise the bar a little bit. Oh, yeah. That's a sweet spot right there. And uh, I get it because I was like you. And, and so it, these guys... Look at this verse. They believed, but they were afraid what people were going to say. And so 
this is the honest truth that our pride can get in the way of our worship. And so just, it's just human nature. Uh, the third thing is your feelings. Your feelings can get in a way. Your, your feelings can cause you to, to miss the heart of worship. And here's a saying that, uh, that you hear the world say a lot is, if it feels good, do it. Right? If it feels good, do it. But I, and there's a lot of pitfalls to that kind of thinking. But here's one pitfall, the opposite. Think about what the opposite says. The opposite says is, if you don't feel it, then you don't do it. Which means if you're not feeling the worship, you're not going to worship God, right? You come in the church like, yeah, they're not playing my jam. I'm going to wait for my, my jam, you know? And maybe it's going to be two months till they play your jam. Or they'll never play your jam. So you're just like, you'll never worship. And, and I'm not just talking about in church here because I, I know life hits us. We get busy. Stuff, we do stuff. And, and we get stressed out, and, and, it's, and just life overwhelms us. And so we get concentrated on that. So we never feel like this, man, I got I to gotta make the perfect moment to worship God. I got to have candles or, you know, it's like I get the atmosphere right. And you know what? Our God is worthy of worship no matter what we feel and how we feel. Amen? And he's worthy of, of praise. And, um, and I, I like what it says in Hebrews 13, 15. It says, therefore, let us offer through uh, Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And this, this whole idea of sacrifice of praise, that, you know what? I'm going to praise you no matter what, no matter how I feel, God. I'm going to lay down my bad day. I'm going to lay down my circumstances. Don't you find it odd that on the way to church, you fre frequently get into a fight with your spouse or the kids are going nuts? Anybody? Right? Why on the way to church? Because you walk into church all grumpy grump. Right? You're just like, you're not ready to worship. It's like, oh, I don't know. Life did this, and the kids are just crazy. You know? And we're not feeling it. And the sacrifice of praise is just laying that down and worshiping him anyway. Amen? So our feelings can get in the way. The other last thing that can get in the way, how we can miss the heart of worship, is your traditions. Your traditions. And what do I mean by that is... The old way that we used to worship the Lord can get in the way of how we worship the Lord now. That the, it's our experience, or it's nostalgia. It's like, oh man, why don't they play that style or that song, or or why don't that, you know? It's supposed to be done this way. And, and I believe this: God wants to give us a new song. That our traditions can get in the way because, well, it, we we almost try to re reenact it or it becomes formulaic. And um, in in Matthew 15, it says this, and here's Jesus talking to the most devout, most religious people of the time. It was the Pharisees, and he says this. Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship, their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commandments from God. Man, if I have any goal in my life, it's to make sure that my worship is not a farce. That, man, if I have any goal that when I worship God, that, I have, that I'm not just saying it and my heart is far away from God, oh, man, I always got to check my heart on that. That my lips are in line with my heart. Amen? That I don't want to end up like these traditions get in the way. And, and to be honest with you, I've been there. 
Do you know, um, anybody, anybody attending, uh, attended our church since the 80s? Anybody here? My mom. Okay, cool. One. <laughs> Me and you, mom. We were called Hope Chapel back in the day, back in the 80s. And I'm going to brag a little about our church. We were cutting-edge church. We were a rock and roll church, and there wasn't many back then. And I, I really considered back in the 80s that we were the Hillsong of Hawaii. Because we had this guy, Mark Souza, that were writing these exciting, passionate songs about God from a different perspective with a new voice. And it was, there was an anointing on it, and it was different. I was a heavy metal kid. I was like, I could worship to this. I was like, yeah. You know? It was rocking. It was brand new. It was fresh. And there was a one song that kind of was our marquee song called I Magnify. Anybody heard that song before? Right? Let me say, I magnify, yeah, the 80s dance, I magnify, you know, it was just, it was a great song, it was real popular, other churches were singing it, and we were made famous because of this song, but I remember, I was a worship leader at the time, and I remember 10, 15 years into singing that song, we were still singing that song, and there was a point when I remember leading worship, it just became a tradition. It became a, a, a religious act more than it was a fresh thing. It was this old, it was a new song that was, had a, a, a new voice that became this old voice. And I believe God was saying, I have a new song for you. And it was almost like we were just playing it because people expected us to play it. That's, this is the way Hope Chapel worships. And I believe this, that God wants to always bring this new voice. And in Psalm 40, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole world. Uh, Psalm 40, verse 3. And if you read the whole psalm, David is singing, you've pulled me out of this pit, God, and you've set my feet on solid ground. And he says this in verse 3. You have given me a new song to sing. He has given me a new song to sing a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. And I want to just say one thing to you. Don't let your traditions get in the way. You know why? God has a new song for you. I'm not just talking about worship music. He has a new miracle for your life. He has a new experience for you. Amen? You know what? Those great miracles in the past, awesome. They did. They built your faith. But you know what? He has miracles for you in the future. He has a new thing for you to sing about. And so I just want you to be open for that. Amen? Amen? And so how do we, if we miss it, if we're there, if you're feeling a little conviction right now, you're like, yeah, you're right, Tom. I kind of miss it because I've, I've been there. Trust me. Well, how do we come back? And I, I love this in Psalm 50. I, I believe um, this psalm gives us a little inkling of how to get back to the heart of worship. And it says this in verse 8. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you can constantly offer. But I do need... Uh, uh, but I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the animals of the, f uh, and all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle uh, on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains, and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. But uh, I do not eat bulls. Uh, do I, not, I, I do not drink the blood of goats. And, and make note, verse 14, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. Now, this is a great verse and let me unpack this a little bit. So he starts off, and this is God speaking. He's saying, 
I have no complaint about your sacrifices. And what does that mean? He's saying, I have no complaint you coming to 9 o'clock service at Anchor Church. I have no complaint uh, uh, that you give your, your tithe. I have no complaint that you served on serve day, that you're in a connect group, that you're doing all the things that a healthy Christian should do. I have no complaint about that. But then he says these three things that says, you know what? Make sure you have these three things because that's where the heart of worship is. And I want to unpack that a little bit. And he says that he starts off in verse 14. But if you're taking notes, here's the first thing, is that you would sincerely thank him. That you would sincerely thank him. Verse 14 says this, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. And I think this is very interesting because this is a psalm that's in the Old Testament, which means the Old Testament, they had to kill animals for the forgiveness of sins. That was how they worshiped. Thank God we don't have to do that anymore because Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God. Can I get a hallelujah and amen for that? We don't have to do that anymore. We're not doing that here at church, right? Jesus did it for us. But back then, they had to, they had to put these live animals, not live, dead animals as a sacrifice to God as, a, as, a, as an offering. And I love the fact that even in the Old Testament, God is saying this. You know what you should make your sacrifice? Thankfulness. Having a thankful heart. You know why I think this is great, that, you, that this gets you back to the heart of worship? Because thanking is easy. Don't you guys agree? Right? Have you had anybody give you something or do something nice for you, and it, it wasn't like you had to gear up to get your feelings up to say thank you? That it literally was just a response, you know? That it was just, hey, thanks. You just, just do it automatically. You know, Hawaii is known to be some of the dangerous, most dangerous drivers in the United States. You know why? For one reason. We're too polite. We got too much aloha in our heart, you know? And you know why? Because we let everybody go. So you know what happens when you drive around in Hawaii? Anybody knows this? Right? It was all, bro. I'm at the four-way stop the other day. Well, yeah, you can go, right? And so I'm like... That's right, I can go. You're letting me go. Thank you for the gift. And so I just move forward. And you know, you know what I do automatically? Shaka brada. <laughs> Thank you, right? Just, just a little acknowledgement, right? That, and I don't, have to, I don't have to muster my feelings up to do it, right? I think actually, I, I think the opposite is true. It takes, it's harder to not say thank you, right? If I roll down my window, no, I'm not really feeling it right now. <laughs> no. Thank you is an automatic action. It's just all it is is response for something that someone did good for you. Now, here's the thing. Doesn't Jesus do great things for us? Doesn't God always bless us? Isn't there just one reason why we should thank him? Because he died on the cross for us, that he gave his life, that he has forgiven us of sin, that we're brought to new life. Isn't that reason enough to thank him for the rest of our lives till we see him in heaven, that we should have thankfulness, and we don't have to work up for it. We don't have to work up to it. We just respond. God, you're good. Boom, I'm there. No matter how I feel, it's automatic. Um, there's, a, there's an amazing song that I, I, I loved back in the day. It's an old song. Um, guys, remember, remember the song, All I Need Is You? All I need is you, Lord. That's right. I'm leading you in worship right now. Let's do this. Uh, all I need is, and it's a great, it was basically this, all I need is you. And I, someone made an argument, and it made me think. He said, you know what? That song sounds a little bit too desperate because, because we need other things. 
He, he was, his argument was, we need a house, we need food. There's other things that we need, and God is not the only thing we need. And I, he made me think. I was like, okay, then why do I love this song so much? Why do I respond to it? And I realized, it made me realize it's because this, because every good thing that I have is from God, that he is the source of it. This Psalm 50 says it. So the bulls are mine. The cattle is mine. I don't need that. They're, they're all mine. I've given to you. All you're doing is giving it back to me. And it's one of these where the more I count my blessings, what a Christian, Christian-y's thing to do. Hey, count your blessings. Name them one by one, right? Sorry. <laughs> this guy is weird. What's going on? Right? But, it's, but try it. Because you know what our problem is? We blame God when anything goes bad. We look at the bad things. We go, ah, God, why are you doing this? Try thinking about everything that God has given you and provided for you. Count your blessings and go, you know what? God, man, you gave me a brain. You gave me wisdom. Jesus, I met my wife in this church. Thank you, Lord. Which means God gave it to me and gave my children. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. Down to the very fact. Here's one thing that I'm thankful for. The very air that I breathe. That he made this earth somehow where it balances out, where I breathe oxygen, and it's created somewhere else. And that he created a perfect atmosphere where I breathe it in. And at the least I can do is to breathe it out in praise to him. I think that's such a beautiful picture of praise, is breathing the air that he provided and going, hallelujah, God, you are worthy. So simple that we thank him and that he has given us everything. So sincerely thank the Lord. Um, number two is to give him your whole heart, to give him your whole heart. And in verse 14, again, it says this, that you keep the vows you made to the Most High. And so how does that relate to, to giving him your whole heart? Well, this is a psalm that's speaking to Israel. God is speaking to the Israelite community and saying, you know that I have made a covenant with you, that you are my people. You know, I don't, I don't want to get into that, but he made this covenant. Man, I, you are my people, and I will be your God. And they made the same vows as saying, yes, you are our God. And in, in our today's term, God, or Jesus, was asked, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he had two of them. What was the first one? Do you guys remember? Love the Lord your God. I'm going to read it, actually. Matthew 22, verse 37 says, this is the, the, the greatest commandment. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. You know what's one of the main words in that verse? All. He doesn't say, you must love your uh, Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind. He says, with all, everything, your whole heart. Romans 12.1 is one of my favorite verses in the whole world. I love this verse. Um, and it says this, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And in my weird Tom brain, anytime I read this verse, I picture kind of the Old Testament, right? He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So I picture how the priest would bring in the dead animals and they would offer it on this altar and it'd be burned up and everything. And so when, I, when, when God is, or Paul is writing, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, I literally picture myself climbing into the altar. I'm a live person. I'm just like, and here I am. I got my whole body on there. That's just how I, I picture this verse. But here's the honest truth, and he, I've been here. 
I've done this before, is that there's times in my life where I was just like, all right, God, I'm going to offer my body as a living sacrifice. You can have my foot. And I'll, I'll keep the rest if you, if you don't mind, you know? That there was times in my life where I would just lay my hand or my arm on, on the altar and go, you like my arm, but I like my right arm, you know? And I keep the rest. And, and in a lot of our lives, we just give part of our body to God. We give this one area, and we get to keep the rest. And I don't, have to, I don't want to get into what you're keeping or what I used to keep, but man, come on, would we all agree? Sometimes we keep stuff to ourselves, and we don't give our whole heart to God. We don't give everything to God. And I believe, um, well, I'm just going to simply put it this way. Some of us, we have to stop dating God. We have to stop dating God. And what I mean by that is that, that God is not, oh, I'll see you twice a week, three times a week. Yeah, we'll have lunch together. Great. Good job. Awesome. We can, I'll see you next time I see you, right? I believe this, that a commitment to God is very similar to when two people give their vows to each other, that I, I'm committed to you, that I'm not leaving, that we're, we're, we're stuck, you know? And there's this beautiful picture, and, and that's why I love baptism. If any of you guys got baptized or witnessed a baptism, it's basically someone saying, Jesus, you made your vows on the cross, which he did, Amen. He committed himself to us. He's like, man, I died for you. I love you so much. He committed himself. So anybody that gets baptized, they get totally immersed in the water. It's like, oh, my gosh. And they come out, and they're like, yes. And it's, just, it's almost like a marriage ceremony. It's like I'm recommitting my vows to you, or I'm, I'm saying my vows to you, God, that I'm giving you my whole heart, offering my whole body to you, God. Uh, we just finished up. We're finishing up. This is actually the last weekend of the seven interns that we had over the last two months. And uh, any interns in the house? Woo! We got an intern. Can we give a hand for all the interns? They served. They gave blood. They did amazing things. And I just want to thank you guys. And this is our last weekend. And, and it's, it's been great. And it, you know what the most awesome thing is to see them just grow in the Lord. They've just been growing in the Lord. They've just been doing... I, 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 it's just been cool to me to watch. Uh, and... And one of the interns was kind of like, man, just this new life was coming upon her. And she was learning how to give her all to the Lord, give everything. Like, I offer my whole body uh, uh, as a sacrifice, not just parts, God. I want to give, give you my all. And you know what the most awesome thing, just watching her, is watching every single week where she was in this process of giving over to the Lord. And then the Lord was just blessing her and doing amazing things. Because here's the thing that I'm a firm believer in. God wants your all. You know why? Because he wants to give you all. He wants to give that resources available, available to you. But he's like, you know what? If you give your all, I'm going to give you my all. If you draw near to me, I'm going to draw near to you. And I, it was so cool to watch her in this process of giving her all. And guess what happened two weeks ago at the Heaven Come, uh, that first Heaven Come worship night? We baptized her right in that corner over there. And it was so cool. I mean, I was like, seriously, all the, all the interns, me and Chrissy, I was literally screaming in her, in her head because the worship was going on. I'm like, yeah, you got you. I, I got a little overexcited. The Filipino in me came out. I was just like, I was screaming. I was like so happy for her because it was her just going, I'm giving you, I'm giving you my whole heart, God. I'm giving you everything. I, I thought that was a beautiful picture. So um, 
Sincerely thank him. Give him your whole heart. And here's the third thing that gets us back to, um, gets us back to the heart of worship. And, and number three is to include him in your everyday life. To include him in your everyday life. Verse 15 says this, then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. Then call on me. And how does that, how does that relate to include him in your everyday life? Well, God, he's saying this, you know what? I love your burnt offerings. I love you going to church. But when you're in trouble, when times are hard, when you're going through stuff, can you call on me? Can you, can you say to me, God, I have no other option but to go to you. I have, I have nothing else, God. I'm alone. I cannot do this without you. That in our darkest times, when, when, when the world just hits, up, hits, hits us, uh, uh, smacks us uh, in the face, and we're just like, we don't know what to do, and we're just desperate for God. Now I've been there. He's just crying out to God in, in some of the darkest moments that we just say to God, God, I can't do this without you. I'm calling upon you. You are my source of help. And um, I read this quote. Uh, from Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Church. If you don't know who Pastor Rick Warren is, he wrote the Purpose Driven Life book. He's got a huge church. He's prayed for presidential inaugurations. I mean, he's that big of a, of a pastor. And uh, if you didn't know, in 2013, he lost his son to suicide. His son killed himself. But he wrote this. I found this quote, and it's, it's really awesome. He says this, your most profound and intimate experiences of worship likely will be in your darkest days. When your heart is broken, when you feel abandoned, when you're out of options, when the pain is great, and when you turn to God alone, it is during suffering that we learn to pray our most authentic, heartfelt, honest-to-God prayers. When in pain, we don't have the energy for superficial prayers. Wow. I mean, here's a guy that was in his darkest days, lost his son. And he's saying, that's what drew me to God because I clung to him in desperation. And it was one of those times where it's like those superficial prayers went to the wayside and I was just crying out to God. And how do we include him in our everyday life? Here's the trick. That, that desperation that you experience in the trouble times, in the dark days, when you're just crying out to God like that, let it bleed into your good days. Does that make sense? That so many of us, that's only when we, we call on the Lord is when we're in trouble, when it's dark, when we need him. We just go, okay. And then when things get good, we kind of forget about it and we go on with our life. And I want to just encourage you to do this. Just let it bleed into your good days when things are prosperous so that you would have that same prayer that you would wake up and things are good and you're going to work and go, God, you're all I need. I need you today. I got to go to work. I got to deal with these guys. I got to be, I got to be their boss or I got to be a coworker. And I, gotta, I want to do it well, God. Lord Jesus, my kids are at home for the summer. I need your help. Oh, please, I'm desperate for you, please, you know, and that even on your good days, your normal days, even the mediocre days, that you would have that same dependency on him. Um, I think that's super important. Uh, any parents out here? Any parents? Any, any parents of young kids, like three-year-olds or like up to eight? 
I have two seven-year-olds and I have a three-year-old. And uh, you know what I hear almost on a daily basis? Daddy! And it's like a request, like, Daddy, make me chocolate milk. Make me cereal or turn on TV or let me give me your iPad or Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And so, you know, uh, you, you think, yes, I'm a good dad and I, I give that, but I'm going to be honest, there are some days where they go, Daddy, I'm all, I'm busy. I got stuff to do too, you know. I, I have said those things to my three-year-old. <laughs> Honest truth. Hazel. <laughs> Do it yourself. <laughs> Milk's all over the ground. <laughs> it's the honest truth. But you know what hit me? Even though I complain, I get irritated, I hear, Daddy, Daddy. There's going to be a day when I realized that they're not going to say that anymore because they're too grown up. And they're in college. And they're just like, Daddy, I don't need you. You know? That broke my heart because I want my, I, I don't, anybody, I don't want my kids to grow up, please. I want that, daddy. I believe that's the heart of the father. That the heart of the father, he says, have childlike faith. That we would have childlike faith. So if you're three or 93, that every day of our life would be, daddy, I need you. I depend on you. I can't make it through this day without you that we would call to God in the bad days and in the good days. Amen? And we would have that in our, in our hearts, Abba Father. What does it look like if we all got close to the Lord? If we thanked him, had this thankful heart without trying to muster up emotions and we just respond to how good our God is? What if we gave him our whole heart because he wants to give us all too? And what if we just included him in every aspect of our life, in every single day, and not just going to him in the dark days, but we're going to him every single day in dependency to him. Man, imagine how close you could get to the Lord if you did those things. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I thank you, God, so much that you are a gracious God, that you're a patient God. Man, I'm standing up here guilty of missing the heart of worship, doing it the wrong way, doing it for the wrong reasons. I stood on the stage doing it for the wrong reasons. And thank you so much that you're so patient with us. Lord God, you have so much to give us, so much you want to give us. I think we get in the way of that. And Lord, we're sorry for that. We want to come back to the true heart of worship. We want to get close to your heart. And I love the fact that You've already done all the work through Jesus Christ. Jesus, you did all the work. You wanted this relationship, so you came down, died for us, gave your life so that we could have a relationship with you. And, and then it says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. That you, If we just draw near to you, you would draw near to us. You're just waiting. You're waiting for us. It's our turn. And Lord, I pray that we would take those actions for for all of us, what is our next step? What, how can we take our worship to the next level? Lord, I pray that you would remind us of what the true heart of worship is, God, and bring us back to that in Jesus' name. With all eyes closed and head bowed, I just want to give 
an opportunity for anyone to declare themselves a born-again Christian, to tell Jesus, I love you because he died on the cross for you. I've said that many times in this sermon, that, you know what, God loves you so much. Jesus just wants a relationship with you. That's why he died for you. He's calling to you. He's saying, I can, man, I have so much to give you. I'm just waiting. I want you to draw near to me. And Jesus Christ died for you, did all the hard work on the cross. And he, all he asks of you is to go, hey, do you believe that? Do you believe I did that because I love you? And that you would just say to him, yes, I do believe that. And so I will give my love back to you, give you my life. If you've never done that, or maybe this is a rededication to give your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to say a prayer, and all I'm asking is that you kind of hitchhike off of my words, steal my words, and use it and pray to Jesus himself. If that's a desire in your heart this morning, I'm going to say that prayer in a minute or so, but can you do me a favor? Can you tell me you're going to be praying with me? Just by simply right now, I'm looking with all eyes closed and head bowed. Can you just raise your hand right now if you want to pray with me right now? I got hands all over you. Okay, we got one, we got two. Awesome, we got three, we got four. Awesome, anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody? We got hand up front here. Awesome, I see you, I see you. Anybody else? Either a first time or rededication. You're just telling Jesus, Jesus, you love me, so I love you. You gave your life, well, I'm going to give you my life. Anybody else? Oh, thank you so much for that. I see you guys. Okay, put your hands down. Awesome. Put your hands down. Now just repeat this prayer. Just hitchhike off of my words and say this to Jesus himself. Jesus, I believe you died for me on the cross. And because of that, I am forgiven of sin. I believe that you rose again from the grave three days later and that you are still alive, that you are king of all kings and lord of all lords. And because... Because that happened, because you gave your life, I give you my life. I surrender it to you. I declare you my Lord and my Savior. I thank you so much for this new life that you're about to give me, God, that I never experienced before. You are everything to me, and I give you everything. I praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hey, let's give those people a hand.